Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome to Stoppage Time. Coming off of a couple of bad results in preseason, Atlanta United's got one more time out before things start to count. That's on Sunday in Birmingham against Birmingham Legion of the USL Championship. You'll be able to hear that on 92.9 The Game, our first radio broadcast of the year. Pre-game coverage starting at 3 o'clock. And Mike, I hope it's a better result the result's not the number one thing we're looking for i hope it's a better performance especially in the attacking half agreed yeah totally agree i mean whatever the result is is what it's going to be um and keep in mind too that birmingham legions in a completely different place fitness wise right now than atlanta united so the score line's going to be the score line i just want it to look better um especially as you said in in the attacking half for Atlanta United uh, because I, I'll be honest, I was really, I was kind of disappointed with um, with how things went down in Guadalajara on Sunday. Now there were some individuals that stood out very positively and I, I don't want to overlook that. We'll, we'll get to it over the next 60 minutes here on stoppage time, but just in general, you know, I was hoping that um, things would be a little more cohesive, a little less ragged, a little less sloppy at this point. What I have struggled to, to try to remember is that Atlanta United was at the end of two pretty intense weeks in Mexico. And uh, the gas tank might have been a little bit empty. And hopefully some of the things that we saw on Sunday were a product of maybe fatigue as opposed to this team just being behind right now or just not being very good. I I don't think that's the case at all. I think it was just... The culmination of two very difficult weeks. You're you're ready to go home, get back to Atlanta after being kind of in this bunker with your teammates for two weeks, and they might have been looking ahead to the the airport tarmac a little bit, and and you get burned by Chivas and by Tepatitlan. It happens. It's not a regular season game. It doesn't count. The opponents you're facing are in fitness uh, and in in the midst of their seasons. Atlanta United was not. So everything that happened Sunday is explainable. It's just disappointing. Uh, you didn't want to see it go down that way. Yeah, I, I don't have as negative of a impression, I, I guess, of what we saw on Sunday. Um, I don't think they played all that badly in general. The scoreline's not reflective of it. And you got to remember some of the, the formatting situations where you weren't really looking to have a ready-to-go bench in game one and where you had some injuries had to scramble a little bit. Then one of your players who comes on as a sub gets injured himself in Machoke Chol. That affects the second game where Jackson Conway starting on the flank. Then you're playing in an unfamiliar kind of formation as you figure out what you have to work with. Uh, Dom Dwyer plays in that second game as well. First time he had interacted 
in a match situation with the team. You know, you give up a goal off of a, a penalty in the first game, which eh, kind of a, a questionable call, I think. Um, set piece defending has been an issue a little bit in preseason. That's also not a, a really a focus in preseason. You're more worried about the run of play. What stood out to me in terms of a negative was the chance creation, which when you go back and look at the personnel, second game you do have to kind of put to the side a little bit because it's a second team. It's a makeshift team. Um, Definitely not what you would normally see in a match. So result of that one and even some of the, the team performance in that one, I'm not taking too seriously. The first group. Missing Marcelino Moreno has been a big miss, and I think having him in the group will definitely elevate things. I don't know where things stand with Marcelino right now in terms of injury. Uh, We were told that it was a a kind of a knock in training. He was stepped on ahead of the Georgia Storm match, and he hasn't played in preseason. He has been working. He was on the trip in Mexico. He was working off to the side while I was down there. I don't know where his fitness is. He's not match fit because we haven't seen him in a match yet. Need to get him involved. Tiago Almada, the visa situation with bringing him in. We're seeing all across the league right now, players are having trouble getting their visas in time to join their teams. Uh, Mikael Ura, Ura of Philadelphia, not joined the team yet. Minnesota finally got it done with their big signing, Kervin uh, Arriaga, today. That took a long time. That was supposed to be announced a while back. It, it's a challenge just because getting visas across the 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 world right now, wherever you are coming to the U S is a challenge. We saw it with CONCACAF champions league and Cavalli couldn't get their temporary visas to come into the country from Haiti and, and participate. Embassy situations are all different. There's COVID issues in different places. It's, it's all a challenge. So the attacking continuity is my question right now. Now, like you said, and, and, and talking about Moreno as well, there's reasons for it. I get it, but, Really not knowing when you'll see that front four of Joseph Martinez, Luis Araujo, who's looked very good in preseason. Tiago Almada, who I thought looked very good in 15, 50 minutes, um, considering he'd only trained with the team for a couple of days. And getting Moreno in. How soon can you get those four on the field together where they can build that chemistry? They're all good players. I do think they complement one another, but you just have to play with one right. another to build that up. And that's going to take minutes. And we don't know what that timeline looks like. That's my biggest question. And you get to the Kansas City match, and if you're not 100% with that attacking quartet, which is probably safe to assume you won't be right now, at least for 90 minutes. Okay, how can you create chances? Because there weren't enough chances created with what resembled a first-choice group on Sunday. That's my number one concern. Yeah, uh, you know, it, Joseph, I think, got frustrated because Joseph wasn't getting service. Joseph got frustrated, but, too, because people were getting kicked. Uh, I think a lot of the true. frustration in the game from Atlanta United players was because it was physical and it was scrappy. And you had two teams that were trying to make a mark for themselves out of Mexico. Also true. Yes, no no doubt about it. Um, but I, I think prior to that, you could see Joseph, there, there was a – Instance where there was a ball played through and he kind of pulled up and pulled up his his trunks and kind of looked skyward. Like, I, I think he was getting a little bit frustrated at the lack of service. But does the point of attack and the point of service change with a Moreno 
as opposed to um, Mateus Ozetu, who was playing kind of the central attacking midfield role. Uh, does Tiago Almada move more centrally if Moreno could be out long term? And I don't get the sense, by the way, that Moreno is out long term. I think. No, I don't uh, either. I just don't know what the timeline is. Well, and, and to that point, um, you know, I asked the club before we went on the air on Sunday, um, you know, what's Moreno's deal? And they basically just said he's still recovering. Same as Brooks Lennon right now. Yeah. That's a very kind of broad term. It could be, you know, days, could be longer than that. Uh, I think I'm still a little more curious on where does Almada line up when Moreno plays? Because we saw Almada working on the left Sunday, and I actually thought that worked out pretty well. I thought Almada was making some good runs, getting into dangerous spots. I thought Aruju was getting into very dangerous spots and making great runs down the right. So it's, I think you see that the building blocks are there, but I'm wondering where the final link comes. Is it going to be Moreno playing out wide and Almada centrally or vice versa? How does Emerson Hyndman fit into all of this, by the way? He's someone he, we haven't yet seen, at least I have not yet seen, uh, in competition this preseason. So how does he fit into this? Um, all questions that probably won't be fully answered by the time the season begins a week from Sunday, but all questions that can start to be answered this Sunday where we might have a better idea of how things are going to look on the 27th. Yeah, I mean, I I think with – even beyond the visa issue with getting Almada in just what the time looks like and, and no, that has nothing to do with anything else. If you're trying to create a narrative, it's literally just getting visas processed as we're seeing with players across MLS right now. Um, you're not going to have Heinemann day one. You're not going to have uh, Santiago Sosa day one. These are two guys who are recovering from surgeries in the past year. So they're going to get reintegrated into the team at some point. I, I think it is going to be a process. I mean, is Marcelina Moreno or Brooks Lennon, who are both recovering, are they 90 minutes recovered by the 27th? It's possible. It, it's just we don't know. So I think you might – I think you have to have a couple different conversations right now. Um, and this is what happens in MLS. This is part of just the MLS general conversation with how the, the calendar works. You've got a lot of teams that are going to go into opening day with an idea of what things look like throughout the year, but they're not going to be there yet on opening day. And you still have to get results because those points matter just the same as points in the summer matter and points in the second half of the season matter. It will affect the table. You know, supporter shield isn't what it used to be, but it's still a trophy. You've got to, to figure out, okay, if you're not whole day one, which I don't expect Atlanta United to be, if you're not whole where everybody can go 90 minutes with your first choice 11, how do you get results? How do you win games? And, and that's what I want to see a little bit of on Sunday is, okay, if Moreno's not ready to go, Almada's not available for that yet, all right, then what is the solution? Is it Jake Mulraney who was out with an injury on Sunday? Is it Mateo Sosetsu playing more as a 10 with Franco Ibarra sitting deeper with Ozzy Alonso. That midfield trio played on Sunday and has some positives and has some, I think they're not as big on the chance creation side. If you're looking for a negative, I think they actually interplay was pretty good with that trio. I think the, the chemistry with that trio was pretty good. 
But then Sosa, when he comes back in, what does he? Who does he replace? Does he replace anybody? Heinemann, who does he replace? Does he replace anybody? There's a lot of questions. I think it's a very talented roster, and we've had this yes. conversation all yeah. preseason. A lot of pieces, a lot of talent, a lot of depth. But now you're getting to the, all right, all that is good on paper, but what is the 11 going to look like against Kansas City on opening day? And can it get you three points against a good Kansas City side? Well, let's start with the 11 we saw in the Chivas period mm-hmm. on Sunday. Because I think it's pretty close to that. Um, I think, Possibly. Well, it, let, let's go through it. Guzan, yes. Center backs, Robinson and Campbell, yes, because yeah. Franco's ineligible. Left He's back, suspended, yeah. Right. Uh, left back, Gutman, yes. Yeah. Right back, could it be Ronald Hernandez or Brooks Lennon? I think that depends on where Lennon is fitness and health-wise. Uh, also depends on where... Pineda rates Hernandez because he's been pretty good in preseason and it might be a situation where by default he's got the the number one spot for a while Lennon's got to win it back could be so let's assume Hernandez that's the yeah. back four that we saw against Chivas yep. okay midfield um where is Santi Sosa fitness wise right now Will he's we not ready it? for the 27th I see no way possible then it's going to be Osvaldo Alonso, as it was on Sunday, in all likelihood. Um, okay. Then um, you had Franco Abara. We don't know how he came out of that Chivas match. He went down and did not return. Um, Looked okay and- walking off. I, I think it was more of a knock. Maybe I'm, I'm being optimistic there. But just judging from his facial expressions and his body language coming off, I'm not as worried about it being a long-term thing for the 27th. Chol, I'm a little more worried about okay. it being a longer-term issue. Fair enough. Fair enough. Then then let's assume that Abara is also starting, and let's assume that Moreno is not yet ready and that Heinemann's not yet 90 minutes fit. Uh, then you're probably looking again at the same midfield that you had against Chivas, where it would be uh, Josatu, Abara, and Alonso. Assuming the visa comes through on Almada, and I'm not – thousand percent certain on what's going on there i'm not putting any percentages on it just because there there there's so many issues in so many different places of the world with players trying to get in and getting their visas heck i mean you saw a i guess they're not calling it a forfeiture but you're seeing a walkover in the Concacaf champions league right now due to a visa Uh, that's that's not even a, a work visa situation that should be easier to deal with and they can't and it's literally personnel yeah, it's literally the timing to get this stuff done. So, I don't know what that situation is out of Argentina right now. Okay, um, so so let's know. let's assume Almada is out. Uh, then it's probably our Ruju Joseph and Jason. My guess is right now Tyler Wolf would probably would be the leader agree. in the clubhouse to be the starting left winger uh, against Sporting Kansas City. Okay, he has been in preseason and he's done well. And I think he's done great. I think yeah. he's been fine. Can you beat Sporting Kansas City? With that attacking quartet of Tyler Wolf, Mateus Ozetu, Luis Arujo, and Joseph Martinez, with um, Franco Abara and uh, Ozzy Alonso playing behind them, your your wing backs being Andrew Gutman and Ronald Hernandez, and your center backs being George Campbell and Miles Robinson. That's not, I think, what we envisioned to be the first choice starting lineup, the full starting eleven for this team this year. 
but I still think it's a group that can go out and get you three points at home against Sporting Kansas City. Yeah. I absolutely do too. I think what we need to see a little bit more of on Sunday is, you know, and we might not know, we might see a lineup Sunday that's different from the 27th. Let's, let's be ready for something like that. But I think what you need to see is how is the attack going to come together? What, where are the spaces that they want to attack? You know, how do they want to attack? I think that is something when you go into a preseason situation and you have the opportunity that Gonzalo Pineda has had, we've seen the counter pressing, winning, trying to win the ball back, the way they defend. That's been very organized. That's been very, I think, I think it's been worked on a lot in preseason. They're at a really good place with that. That's what you can work on first. Attacking chemistry takes time. There, there's intangibles to it. And as we've mentioned, you, you've got personnel that's not available yet. So how much attacking emphasis are you going to put before you get to match week when you're going to be working on it with a group of players who won't be the ones implementing it in the season? So I think what they've worked on are big picture concepts. I think the defensive side, I like where things are with that. Even giving up the goals that they gave up in these games, they weren't being controlled by the opposition. The opposition wasn't consistently threatening them. You're going to see Atlanta play a high line. You've got to see the pressure be effective because if it's not, then that high line can get exploited. Those are things that they've worked towards, and I feel pretty good about where that is going into a match. It's the attack, and it might have to be a little makeshift early on. Mm -hmm. That's okay. But can Tyler Wolf cut inside and pick out those opportunities? Because whoever's on the left, if it's Moreno, if it's Almada, it doesn't really matter to me which one is outside, which one's inside. It's going to be fluid. And the left side, I think, is going to be collapsed in more so Andrew Gutman can get forward. He becomes a really big element here because I think he gives you a different personality attacking from the left back position than George Bellow did. Right side, Lennon, Hernandez, their similarities. I think Lennon is, is more content to play wider Hernandez is a little more freewheeling. He'll come inside more. Maybe, you know, one or the other is a better fit for this group. We just don't know where Brooks Lennon is going to be. They've got to be better defending set pieces. That's something you'll work on in the week leading up to the game. You'll, you'll have some footage. It's Peter Vermes. who has been at Kansas city forever. You're going to have a lot of footage of consistent corners that they've done. Do they go near post? Do they go far post. They go for a flick on. You're going to see consistent free kicks that they've done over the years. You'll prepare for that. Those are things that you can prepare for in the week. But the question is, maybe for Sunday, do we see the attacking pattern start to emerge a little more clearly? Because I don't know exactly how they want to attack right now. No matter what the personnel is, is it outside in? Is it inside out? What are they looking to do when they get into the final third? Are there, is there a certain way they want to attack? And maybe we'll get to see a little bit more of that on Sunday. Yeah. One other, I mean, let me ask you, is there another option beyond Tyler Wolf? Could Goodman potentially play on the left wing with Mikey Ambrose at left back? I think it's incredibly unlikely. I think if, if you're looking for a wild card in that scenario, one of the players who I think really did a good job on Sunday and elevated himself is Caleb Wiley. And I think Wiley would be more likely to play on the left wing in that situation, but I'd see it as a sub because I think Wiley then brings you explosive pace 
to be able to get in behind, but can he carry a game? I don't think he can as well as Wolf. I don't think Gutman playing out of position can because he's not a guy who's really played on the wing very much. There are some interchangeable elements to this group, but Tyler Wolf has earned that opportunity if players are not available. I think Tyler Wolf has shown pressing, he gets it. He absolutely gets it. He gets everything they want to do when they don't have the ball. Movement off the ball, very good. I think he can pick out good passes and open things up. He's earned the opportunity, and he's had opportunities here in preseason because of you know Almada coming in late, because of Moreno out. Tyler Wolf has consistently gotten a number of minutes in games, and if those guys aren't available or one of them isn't available for Sunday the 27th, I think Tyler Wolf starts on opening day. And I think it'll be just fine. I'm a, I've been a big fan of Tyler Wolf since I first saw him play in Birmingham basically two years ago right now. Um, in fact, I think it might actually be two years to the date when we were in Birmingham uh, in 2020. I'm almost positive about that. So I've been a big fan of his for the last two years. I know that Pineda rates him. Yeah. Heinze rated him. Um, so I, am on the, I'm on board the Tyler Wolf train. I still think there are back of the roster things that need to be clarified. I know someone in the Twitch pitch had asked about any other potential incomings. Are there any other roster spots? Um, it's looking like it's trending towards Dom Dwyer, maybe joining this team, uh, on some kind of minimum deal, uh, where that leaves Jackson Conway. I'm not exactly sure. Um, and again, it's probably not fair to evaluate on 80 minutes from Guadalajara, but I don't know if Jackson did anything to, um, you know, prove to the technical staff that, um, you know, he should be the number two striker right now. And again, that doesn't take into account anything else that he he may have done in the last two weeks in training. So it seems like they brought Don Dwyer in for a reason. Uh, seems like it's trending towards him right now. I know the Luca Martinez thing is still out there, and there have been some conflicting reports on that. So, sounding latest reports, it's sounding more likely that he comes to Atlanta. Okay, according to Argentine journalists, uh, he's been involved in a couple of games with Rosario Central here at the start of their Copa de la Liga season. Tacheres was trying to get a deal done, but pretty consistently, the reporting's been that he wants to come to Atlanta a year on loan try to prove himself. We'll see. So if that happens, then I think your question is, do you want Dwyer or Conway? And I'm probably going to shock a lot of people when I say this. I think Dwyer might be the play. And the reason why I say that is Jackson Conway needs to play. Yeah, it's it's a different situation. I just don't know if he's going to get enough minutes to make it worthwhile. If he's behind Joseph and Luca Martinez, I also think (sighs) Dom Dwyer has a useful skill set that could be very, very handy in the same way that Kubo Torres was very, very handy in helping you see matches out. That is my position on Dom Dwyer. (laughs) Um, I don't, I'm not, I'm not that doom and gloom about it, honestly. Like, the, the question for, for Dwyer at this stage of his career, after a, a couple of years where he struggled, he struggled at the end in Orlando, he struggled in Toronto on a bad team. Yes. Does he still have what he made his name on? 
which was. And I, I think he has the first part of it. It's the second part that I'm wondering. First part of just being a pain to deal with on the field for opposing defenses. He He's always moving. He's always right on the line of getting in behind. He is a very savvy player with all of those elements. He's still got that. I think we saw some of that in, in the game in, in Guadalajara. Does he have the ability inside the 18 to put the ball in the back of the net? He had that at one point as well as any forward in the country. He hasn't shown it in a couple of years. If he gets the service that I would expect that he could get in an Atlanta United shirt, is he going to produce? Because that's what you're going to need. Because it's not going to be a whole lot of minutes. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the hardest thing in that role. I think it's something that, that Kubo struggled with at times. Any backup forward struggles with. You've got to be able to produce when your number comes up. And your number might come up for five minutes. Your number might come up for 10 minutes. Your number might, might come up for 80 minutes if there's an injury. You never know. But you got to be able to produce when you get that call. A veteran especially has to produce when they get that call. Can he? Yeah. That's yeah. that's the part we just don't know yet. Yeah, and on the Twitch pitch, I, I agree with Luke. No, I mean, that's the point I was trying to make. I, I think Conway, if you bring Dwyer in, it really gives Conway a, a big opportunity to get comfortable and and really dominate in the USL championship with the twos and still be available to yeah. the first team when necessary. By the way, and is, focus. I think in yes. focus is the biggest thing. He he needs, I think, just a, a straight line of this is what my year's gonna be. Sure, I might get called up, things might change, but my right. year is gonna be 20, 25, maybe more games in USL championship, and I need to get double digit goals. It, Jason, is Luke Naw the uh, the famous Larry Look? Um, who uh, I don't know. Luke Naw, identify yourself. Were you were, <laughs> were you showing up on my Twitter feed yesterday as someone who um, has uh, begun work with ANBSE? I'd I'd like to know because I thought I recognized the name from this, but uh, I'm not sure if you're the same guy or not. So, uh, and if you don't want to out yourself, that's okay. Uh, send us some kind of coded message, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, do you know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking yeah, about. Larry's so not, good people. I'm not sure. If, if, is this Larry? Uh, that That's what I'm wondering. Um, and if so, uh, thank you for joining it. No, not good, Coco. It's not cryptic. I'm just just. <laughs> okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Curious. Like, I, I see these avatars and these names on the Twitch pitch, and no, you're not. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, congratulations to Larry because he might be watching yes. us too. Yes. He's now uh, uh, working for the Falcons in Atlanta United. And uh, I just thought that was a very odd coincidence that your look was spelled the same as his. Uh, but we'll just move on. I was just really curious about that. Do you want to get to some other things on the Twitch pitch, I guess, yeah, while we're there? Yeah, we can bounce okay. around. we got plenty of time. Uh, yeah, and thank you all very much for these questions. They're great. Let's start with Shiva. Uh, what were the positives from Sunday and three weeks into preseason? How do we look? And I'm, I'm really glad Shiva asked that because – there were absolutely positives in both 80-minute periods. I don't want to dwell on scoreline or a couple things that just obviously should be better. 
because there absolutely were positives. I thought Luisa Aruju was fantastic against Chivas. Like I said, getting into dangerous areas, making good positive runs, good on the ball as he always is. I thought Aruju was good. I think Almada, Jason, for the limited amount of time that he's been with this group, did a pretty good job. Did a pretty good job, all things considered. Um, you know, I thought George Campbell, now again, he did get called for a penalty if there were VAR in a preseason training ground friendly. I'd like to maybe get another look at it. Um, I thought Campbell was pretty good, and I thought Andrew Goodman was really good. I think Goodman has had a very, very strong preseason. I don't worry at all about any kind of drop-off at left back uh, with Bello outgoing and Gutman incoming. Yeah, I think individuals, I'll add Caleb Wiley to that list. Uh, I thought Wiley showed well. Um, I thought Aiden McFadden showed well in yeah. the second one. Um, a little bit more composed defensively, and that's something that I think if, if he can get that, then he's an MLS option as a right back. Um those were two others along with the ones you mentioned. I think in big picture stuff, um, again, I'm not worried about results in preseason. I'm not worried about where things are playing two teams that have been together really since last fall. You know, you do the apertura season, you have a short break, then you go straight into the Klausura both of those teams had six, seven games under their belt since the beginning of January. They really didn't have a long layoff. It wasn't a long off season and they should be sharper. And they were, um, this is going to be different on Sunday, different tests because then the roles reverse. Atlanta should be sharper than Birmingham. We'll see where that goes. The concepts of the way that they play defensively. I feel pretty good about, I, I think we know they're going to play a high line. We know they're going to press. We know they're going to try to pinch the field from a width perspective. We know that they're going to be able to pick up opportunities off of that flat out with Araujo and what he can do defensively, which is a huge part of his game. Almada showed some good things there too. I think Joseph, as, as he starts to jump into passing lanes and, and help with that element, Moreno's very good at it. If it's not Moreno, Wolf is very good at it. Ibarra, Alonzo, very aggressive. And I think Josechu reacts well to when they do get aggressive and step up. I like the way they defend in their attacking half to get really specific. I think that part, Atlanta United is in a good place. Very mm -hmm. good place. I think how they defend when they're under some pressure, they haven't really faced it a whole lot yet. And, and we'll see how that goes. Um, I think that was something against Chivas that was a little bit of a struggle. And it was something they hadn't seen at all in preseason because Celaya wasn't able to build up play. Um, Storm and Revolution weren't able to build up play. So it was one of the first times that the first line of pressure was broken from time to time, and they had to defend from a deeper position. It's going to be a little bit of a work in progress because Campbell will play game one. Franco will come back into the lineup, you would assume, for game two. But that's something you need a little more experience with. You're probably not going to get it against Birmingham on Sunday. You're going to have to get that in, pre in, in training, in practices. The way they defend in the attacking half, I really like. They need more practice the other way. And then building up the play and those patterns of play, it's been hard because of the personnel shifting and, and coming and going and injuries and all that in preseason. But they've got to create some patterns that will create opportunities in Birmingham. Positives, though, there are plenty. There are plenty right now. Two games against 
this situation, the second game, you can't even really even consider on the same frame because it's a makeshift team completely for Atlanta United. First game? Yeah, I, I wish they had played better. I wish they had played better and created more chances. You get an early goal, it's a different game, as we know. But there were a lot of positives out of it, too. And I feel like, in general, they're in a good place in this point of preseason. It was Emilio, by the way, who had the question about roster size and if Atlanta United has any more room for incomings. I think they can make it. Um, <laughs> let me see from what we can tell right now. Uh, I do think you'll see some supplemental guys move. I think they'll probably go to Atlanta United, too, for a season-long loan. Garces would be one. Efrain Morales would be one. Jackson Conway could be one. Um, could Dom Dwyer come in on a supplemental roster spot like Kubo Torres was in? Yeah, I think that's that's realistic. And if that's the case, then maybe you do have to decide if it's Jackson Conway who gets loaned. Uh, you got to remember, and I think some people have maybe gotten it mixed up, uh, Daniel Blowyou and, and Tola Shawunmi and Tristan Traeger are not under contract. Um, I would expect that Traeger's not even going to come in until the summer once he finishes his academic commitments at, at the Air Force Academy. I think Blowyou and Shawunmi have an opportunity to earn Atlanta United 2 contracts. Uh, I know they, they played with Atlanta United 2 in a preseason match against Life University over the weekend. So I don't think they factor into the first team. They're not under a contract right now either. Centeno is. He could be loaned to Atlanta United too. The question will probably be a little bit of Machope Choll's injury situation with what we saw on Sunday. If he's going to be out for an extended period of time, I think you're going to need Centeno off the bench. Outside of that, I, I am curious to see how they project him. I've been pretty impressed with Centeno in, in preseason. I like his 1v1 ability. Um, defensively, he's going to be asked to do things that, look, he wasn't asked to do in college. University of Pacific, they're not asking him to, to drop back and defend from a deep position. He's going to have to in MLS. But on the ball, he's got MLS-level talent. I think he does. Um, can you make roster spots? I think you have a spot. Remember, Eric Lopez would be going out. You would then be adding Luca Martinez, I would assume, into that spot. That's manageable. Dwyer, I think, could be a supplemental spot. You've got supplemental spots that you can clear with Garces, Morales, potentially Conway, potentially Centeno, potentially Bryce Washington, but I think you'll you'll probably want that fifth center back on the roster. He could get loaned game to game to Atlanta United, too, but I don't think you're going to clear the roster spot by loaning Washington on a season long. Uh, Burned says that he hopes that Atlanta United displays with an actual 10 Josetu, in combination with Alonzo and Ibarra, did not create enough in the preseason. No, he, he, hopes that, he hopes that Marcelino can start or Almada's visa comes through expeditiously. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Osetu's a 10. I don't think his role was as a 10. I think with the Chivas game especially, you had three central midfielders and it was a little bit more of a six and two eights. Um, you could say two sixes and an eight. doesn't really matter. We're splitting hairs. Uh, I just don't think you had the personnel to have a true 10, and you will in general in the regular season. But you might not straight away, just because we don't know the situation with Moreno's injury and Almada's visa situation joining the team. So you might have to find a different way early on. And is that Hosechu playing higher up the field and, and trying to get his positioning? It's something you can work on in a week of training and, and really come up with the game plan for that one. Is it Tyler Wolf coming inside? Is it, you know, 
doing something completely different. I don't know what that is yet. And I think this week is probably the let's try to figure out what that could be and try to get a sense of where these injuries are and Almada's availability because it will affect it. I also think that when you get into the season and you do have Moreno and Almada, it's going to be Osechi who plays with whoever the six is. I think Ibadra will then be on the outside looking in. Osechi has been consistently in Gonzalo Pineda's teams. I think what he brings to the table as an eight, as a mix, linking the back to the front is critical. I don't think there's anybody else who does that the same way that Osechi does. Ibadra gives you a different personality, more disruptive uh, Sosa, if it's Sosa and Alonzo, can Alonzo give you some of that? Yeah, but you're also not expecting Ozzy to play 34 games this year. Heinemann, can he give you some of that? Yeah, but we just don't know how far along he's going to be, when, when he's going to be able to be available. I think Osetsu is a starter when you're at full strength right now. Justin Johnson, and Justin, by the way, appreciate your tweet. Uh, he says, from what I have seen from Conway in the preseason matches, not training, Justin still feels like he's a year away, but he likes him though. I, I kind of, I'm in the same spot. I love Jackson. Uh, and I think Jackson has seized on a couple opportunities dating back to December of 2020 when they threw him in there against Club America and he scored the game winning goal. Uh, he came on in a very difficult spot in a tough match against Nashville in July and converted. Um, so it, Jackson has made the most of some of his opportunities. You just want to see it more consistently. And the one thing that continues to stand out to me about Jackson Conway, Jason, is it is very, very clear that he has done a lot of work in the weight room this offseason. So the work ethic is never going to be a question with Jackson Conway. To me, it's just getting him match time. And, you know, that's probably not going to come on the first team as long as Joseph Martinez remains healthy and if Luca Martinez is added to the mix. Yeah, it's not going to come on the first team for anybody other than Joseph Martinez. And and that's just, I think, something that has to be understood if you're in a backup role with the first team up top. You're not going to play a ton. And Conway does need games. Um, what I've seen out of him in preseason, he had a big opportunity against Celaya, um, forced a big save. He had a good first game in preseason against Georgia Storm wasn't able to follow that up with a good performance against the Revolution in Athens uh, I really liked his work on Sunday against Tepetitlan because he was the one who really had to kind of suffer with the changes I don't I don't know if he honestly would have started I think he, he might have played 40 minutes or so on Sunday because they definitely wanted to get a look at Dwyer but when Chol wasn't available who I would have expected to play 80 minutes in that second game, Conway had to start on the wing. It's not a normal role for him. He's played it. It's not a normal role for him. He worked hard. I thought he understood the, the pressing concepts really well from there. I was impressed with that. That's not something that he had probably been in that position training, but he picked it up, worked hard, um, showed a little bit of pace at times. He's got something about him. We saw him in USL championship with Atlanta United to scored some just wonder goals. He's got something special about him, but he's a very different kind of forward than Joseph Martinez, than the number nines that we've seen a lot of times with Atlanta United. If he can find a little bit more of the Atlanta United style of play up top, and with if he's with the twos, he's going to have to because that's the way they're going to play. And if at times the team can kind of adapt to him a little bit, 
and feed him a little bit differently than they would have Joseph. I, I would love to see him get 25 games in, in USL championship this year and really focus on those little things in his game, the defensive side, which I think he's put in hard work this off season. And I think in this preseason, but just consistency, consistent production, because I do think he's got it, but he's got to be able to show that consistently because it's competitive. If he doesn't, somebody else will. Uh, it's Coco says the backup striker has to be a microwave type player that can produce with one opportunity. Yeah. And man, if you can find those, uh, tell me where to find them. <laughs> I'll, I'll sell them to a bunch of teams around the world. It's, it's tough. tough. It's, it's really, really tough. tough. Really, really wow. tough. It's I'll, yeah. We, we share a brain sometimes. My goodness. Um, Romario Williams occasionally had that. Occasionally. Um, uh, like, and he lost it. Then he lost it. Um, Brandon Vasquez had that occasionally, especially in U.S. Open Cup, and then yep. kind of lost it. When the bright lights of the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup were shining, <laughs> Brandon Vasquez was a monster. Just as an aside, um, they had us call the, uh, the two matches Sunday from the training ground. And... Uh, I'll just say, I know there's a lot of questions about where the, uh, the, the whereabouts of Atlanta United's trophies. Well, we found the trophy room. Um, the U.S. Open Cup is a big, big, big hunk of silver. That thing's heavy. It, 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 well, we didn't lift it. Let, I'm assuming be, it's heavy. Let's it's be huge. clear. We did not. I, it's huge. I'm assuming there, it's heavy. There was no touching of the trophy. There was no touching of the trophy. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the Open Cup's very big. But, no, it, it's... It's really hard to find. Well, look, I'm expecting what? it's not huge and like thinly made. You no, know? no, I don't <laughs> that think thing so. looks pretty solid. But but back to the microwave type backup striker. I think Columbus and LAFC thought Bradley Wright Phillips would be yeah, that player. He wasn't. He wasn't. And Bradley Wright Phillips, we know his pedigree. He's an outstanding striker. It's really really tough. Um, you know, Ilsenio's a guy in Philadelphia who's not a striker, but okay. someone who has been a, a super sub in this league for a long time, very effective as a sub, but not as a striker. It's easier in different positions, yeah. I think, to to embrace being that guy off the bench because it's probably more likely that you can count on playing. As a striker, it's not likely you're going to play every week as a backup. Right. You know, you might go a month without playing, and then you got to deliver, you know, after five games on the bench. All right, love this question from Superman because this is someone I've been very keen on this preseason. He wants to know our thoughts on Centeno. And we've kind of penciled in Tyler Wolf as the likely starting left winger. Yeah. But I want to tell you something. If Eric Centeno is on that team sheet next Sunday, I'm not going to worry a bit because I think he has absolutely held his own this training camp. I think it's the the whole package for Centeno that's got to continue to improve. But I, I do think Atlanta United got a very uh, nice stroke of luck with Eric Centeno falling in the draft to number 19 because I didn't think they'd be able to get him from that position. He's young. He's only got one year of college under his belt. He's a teenager. He developed in the Sacramento Republic Academy out in California. On the ball, no worries. I think he can create. I think he can make things happen. He can be an attacking sub. I think he can give you that right now. To be a 90-minute player, you've got to be strong off the ball. Because, I mean, look, you, you can do the math. Like, you, you, you play the game, you understand this. You do so much more in a game without the ball than you do with the ball. 
So to be a sub and come in and make something happen, yeah, you can be an Ilsenio, and he's there to have the ball at his feet and do something, period. Centeno can do that. But to play 90, you got to defend. You got to make runs off the ball. You got to draw defenders by making those runs off the ball. You got to do things without the ball at your feet. And that's where he can improve. I think right now, he is absolutely a player on opening day who could come off the bench and make something happen if they need it. Uh, Bruno wants to know what do you see Atlanta United struggling on the most in this first part of the season? I think it's just going to be the attacking chemistry because I, I think probably just about every team in the league will be struggling with attacking chemistry. It's always the slowest thing. Um, you do see some teams that struggle defensively early in the year too, especially if they have a lot of new faces. Luckily for Atlanta United, you don't have that. Um, Gutman, I, I think, is a new face, but not really a big concern in terms of being able to come in, pick things up, and, and be just fine. So I'm not, I'm not worried about that. I think attacking chemistry, as we've talked about with Moreno coming back, we don't know what that timeline looks like with Almada being integrated into the team. Got to get him here. Got to get the, the visa sorted out so he can start to train, build those connections. Those are the elements that will take a little bit of time. And where you don't have them, how do you create the goals to win games? And that's the part that I think will be the biggest struggle early. Not worried about them defensively. I don't think they give up a lot of goals. One thing to to kind of link things defensively, I think they're going to create chances through their counter pressure. I think they will get some goals out of that, even when they're struggling with attacking chemistry. They'll create some goals off of turnovers. I think Araujo is going to be a problem for teams to deal with early on with his pace defensively. That being said, when you face a good team that is comfortable with playing through that pressure and breaking it, then defending as you drop, just because they haven't been tested as much of that. Chivas was really the first team to test them in doing that. Kansas City, I think, will try, but Kansas City will also skip lines and play long. I think Colorado will play long. I think Charlotte will try. I think maybe by that point, they've decided to be a little more pragmatic and, and take what the game gives them and, and play longer and all that. Um, it'll be interesting to see if teams are able to play through Atlanta's pressure and then how they defend in that recovery kind of defending if the first line of pressure doesn't create the opportunity, doesn't create the turnover. I do think early on, even when the goals aren't coming from build-up play, they'll get some goals off of that pressure. Uh, burned. If SKC presses Atlanta high and Atlanta presses SKC high, which of the two teams, in particular defense and midfield, will be more press-resistant? I think Atlanta is. I, I really do. Um, looking at Kansas City... In terms of one, I mean, I, I think press resistance, part of it um, in the midfield, but let's talk about building up out of the back. Uh, we look at Kansas City really quick. Ben Sweat, new there. Um, Graham Zusi, good on the ball. But in those moments, I'm not as as keen on Graham Zusi. I like him getting forward and creating stuff in the attacking half. Building out of the back, okay. Fontas is very good on the ball. That's why he's there. Um is it going to be Volodair? Is it going to be uh, Isamat Mar Marine? I don't know. I, I don't know what the rest of that back line looks like. Atlanta's back line, Gutman, Hernandez, Lennon, we know they can release and get out. 
we know that Osvaldo Alonso can drop between the center backs, help build up the play. I don't, I'm not expecting Santi Sosa in, in game one. Um, we know that Mateo Sosechi can drop and help that happen too. How will Kansas City deal with Atlanta's pressure? You know, does Uri Russell get the start? Because I think he's a good player in, the, in those spots. I don't know if Kansas City really has another one. Roger Espinoza isn't that kind of a guy. Uh, Remy Walter wants to get forward a little bit more. Jose Mauri, not really the Hosechu kind of additional guy to drop. Um, are they going to have to sacrifice numbers to get a Russell, to get a Shallowy, to get a Gaddy Kenda back to help get out of their own half? Maybe. And then Atlanta's kind of won that battle if they do, because then Atlanta can recover. Kansas City can't exploit numbers forward. You're in, you're in a pretty good position. I think Atlanta will build out of the back better against Kansas City if Kansas City presses high. I'm not 100% sure they will press high. Um, I'm also not 100% sure they're going to have their new forward from the Montenegro national team, Nikola Vunovic. I don't know if he's going to be available just yet. Uh, not sure about visa situation with him. So what do they look like up top? Do they kind of makeshift it a little bit and play Kyrie Shelton up top and look for speed, which could be a problem on the break. They might not try to build out of the back. They might not really try to to deal with Atlanta's press. They might just go over the top and try to have Shelton run between the channels. And that can be a problem because Atlanta hasn't seen a lot of that in preseason. Uh, Shiva asking about Jurgen Dom's status, and um, I don't think there's really anything new over the last week, but I don't see him playing for Atlanta United this year. No, I, I don't either. Um, I, I think Gonzalo Pineda made that clear. I think they're at an impasse. I think he wants to play. He's not going to start. You know, I mean, I'm sorry. It's going to be Araujo. It's going to be Almada. It's going to be Moreno. It's going to be Joseph Martinez when everybody's healthy. I don't know why a move to Mexico didn't happen. Um, we don't know what was offered. We don't know where things stood. Chivas's name came up. Other teams' names came up, but a deal didn't get done. There are still a few leagues that he could go to. Uh, Ecuador, Brazil are a couple of them. I think Russia could, he could still go to. I don't know if any of those destinations are what he wants. Um, if it comes down to it and Atlanta needs the cap space, they might do a buyout before the roster compliance date. If they don't need the cap space, they don't have to do a buyout. He just might not play. And look, that happens sometimes. We, we've seen it. I mean, how many games have Ben Simmons played for the 76ers? This <laughs> you know, like sometimes you have guys on your roster that don't play for whatever reason. And then he makes a move in the summer. I, I think Mexico is the obvious one for him. Uh, I, that's why I'm surprised it didn't happen in this window. And again, we just don't know what was offered. We don't know if there was a reasonable offer on the table. But just because he's not going to be part of the picture, which, again, Pineda made clear, he's not right now, doesn't mean you have to do the buyout unless you need to create the roster space, which, as was brought up before, maybe you do if there's another addition. If you can't fit Dom Dwyer as a, as a supplemental pick, for example, a supplemental roster spot, for example, and you need a senior roster spot, do you do the buyout there? Sure. Maybe, but I don't think that is a necessity. And I think if they don't, it doesn't mean that he starts all of a sudden playing with the first team either. I think it might just be a situation where he's training off to the side and he moves in the summer. We just don't know yet. Uh, Burned believes that Jack Collison may be the best coach for Conway right now. He'll teach him to press better and link up more. 
I think it's not so much that Collison's the best coach for him that uh, compared to Pineda, I think it's just Collison would then be playing him. And then you have the follow-up you're, you're working with that coach in training and then you're playing for that coach in games. Then you're getting the feedback via video and after the game from that same person. I do think even if Conway plays for the twos, he'll train at least a decent bit with the first team because they'll want to keep him into that mix. I think there'll be plenty of situations where Pineda will utilize Atlanta United two in training situations. But I think for more than anything, it's just consistency for Jackson right now. You see this so many times with players who get close to breaking through, but it doesn't immediately happen for them. And you get stuck in between. And he's kind of in the in-between right now. He needs consistency to get his confidence back. And if that's with Atlanta United too, and he's good with that, and that doesn't become a negative for him, it becomes a positive, that's the best move for him. He's got to play this year. And I think 20, 25 games or so with the twos would be a really good season for Jackson. But he's got to get double-digit goals if he does that. Yeah. Uh, Bruno is worried that Atlanta United relies too much on Joseph when it comes to goals and connections. I think you're going to rely on your number nine, period. If you're not relying on your number nine in these situations, something's not right. right. I don't think you have that same reliance on Joseph to be the only goal scorer that you used to. I think you don't have it anymore, frankly. I think coming into last season, yes. Marcelino Moreno showed last year he can get you nine goals. Can he get you in the, like, the 10 range? Possibly. Um, Luis Adarujo can absolutely. I think Luis Adarujo can be a double-digit goal assist guy. I think Tiago Almada can be a double-digit goal assist guy. And then the goals start to get spread around. That's going to happen by the way that they play. Where I want to see Joseph get more involved, not less, but more, is in that build-up phase and the timing be where it needs to be. We haven't seen as much of that in preseason yet. We haven't seen Joseph a lot in preseason. He was with Venezuela for the first part of it. I want to see the timing happen like it didn't happen consistently last year where he's dropping into the midfield to help build up the play. He's the additional free man. They're not going to have somebody track with him. He can be the outlet. Great. Then when it gets played out wide, when it gets played to another player and Joseph loops around to come back into the final third, Feed him. Feed him in those moments. Last year, too many times, especially early, we didn't see the timing sync up. Joseph would either be late to the ball that was served in. Maybe the ball served early. Joseph goes early. The ball's late. It's Then he's static. Then it's too easy to defend. That timing has to be there. And if Almada, Moreno, Araujo, and Joseph can continue to play together and build on these concepts, the timing will be there. And it'll be through balls. It'll be crosses. It'll be all of the above to feed Joseph. But Araujo is going to get his goals, and Almada is going to get his goals, and Moreno is going to get his goals too. All right, I like this one from Justin. Who do we think will lead the team in assists this year? Tiago Almada. How many? Um, <clears throat> little bit dependent on on the number of games, and we know that can be an issue. I will say twelve. Okay. And I think Araujo is at eight or nine. Okay. Uh, I'll just remind everyone that hockey assists count in MLS. They do. Which is why I think 
there's a very good chance that both Andrew Gutman and Brooks Lennon could be up near 10 assists this year. Um, it's possible. Near. Not there, but near it. I yeah. agree with you on Almada, by the way. I, Brooks be... was six last year, if I remember right. Brooks was six. Um, Gutman played in a style where they were allergic to the ball, so we're not right. going to talk yeah. about his numbers. Yeah. Um, Sorry, yeah. Red Bulls fans. I, yeah, but I feel like if Brooks had played a 34-game season in 2020 with Joseph, he would have been, in 2020, uh, up over 10. Brooks, I think Brooks has the potential to be a very different Brooks Lennon this year. Got to get him healthy. Got to get him playing these games. I think Pineda wants different things out of that position than Gabriel Heinze did early on. I think Lennon struggled with that transition. Um, I think Lennon's time with the national team was really helpful. And we saw in the game in December him doing some things that I was hoping he would start to do more, coming inside a little bit more, being more varied with his service. I think Brooks has the potential for a big year, but I also can absolutely see the scenario where if Ronald Hernandez starts because Brooks isn't available recovering and Hernandez plays well, which he has every possibility to do, it's going to be hard to displace him. It's going to be very hard to displace him because Ronald Hernandez is a guy who's playing for Venezuela internationally, a guy who's producing for Venezuela internationally, and a guy who has a different skill set than Lennon. They both are very good, and Atlanta's blessed to have both of them. But it might be a situation where Hernandez gets the job by default, and then it's going to be down to Lennon to either kind of bide his time for a slump or to beat him out in training, which isn't always easy to do. Uh, Shiva wants to know, do we think Joseph's role will be like the previous years or more as a solo striker as opposed to build-up play? Well, that's a that's a whole bunch of different stuff. Um, I think he'll be involved in build-up play as we've seen over previous years. I, I think that started to happen in 2019. And look, it's just something that I think strikers do more of as they as they age. Um, you just get more comfortable in those parts of the field. I think when Joseph was first here, Tata Martino wasn't really building up as much. It was a lot of transition where Joseph was at his most dangerous. He's been doing build-up since 2019. Um, that's not going to change. I, I think just from the conversations we've had with Gonzalo Pineda, seeing some of the the patterns of his game and I think what he likes, he wants his striker to get touches. It's not just getting on the end of things inside the 18. He wants his striker to get touches. So I think that's going to continue. I think he will be by himself. I, I don't expect there to be uh, a lot of two forward lineups. I, I just, I, I don't know who the second forward would be. That is the, the right fit there. Um, I think it will be a lot of times a four, three, three. And if you want to go four, two, three, one or four, one, four, one or, or whatever, all that's fine. I think it'll be four in the back. I think it will be three central midfielders. I think it'll be two wingers. And I think it'll be Joseph Martinez up top. And Joseph will be the one that will help a lot in that buildup phase. And if they time his arrivals into the 18, with the service that's provided, Joseph Martinez will get a boatload of goals with this team. Let's end on this one from Bruno. Who will lead the team in Reds this season? Um, that's a good question. Um, I'm going to go a little bit based on the player that I think will have the most opportunities to get them. Although that might not be the case because he really didn't get much until – he got angry in the playoff game, Alan Franco. Um, 
I think Ibarra could be in that mix because of just how aggressive he is. I think Ozzy Alonso could be in that mix. I don't think anybody else will. Um, Araujo will pick up some yellows because he'll get angry and he'll, he'll tell you about it. I'm going to go with Franco, but I don't, not a hundred. I'm not taking much to uh, Vegas on that one. Yeah, uh, I think temperament-wise, Franco's probably the play or a Barra. Uh, but I could see Sosa being in a position where he could pick up a couple cautions that could accumulate. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I think the, the yellow, the yellow conversation versus the red conversation is different. Yeah, I, I just I don't see a lot of players on this team that are going to get straight reds. You know, th- this is not the same as, you know, when you have Leandro Gonzalez Perez, who you always kind of worried might might get a straight red here or there. Um, or or uh, Franco Escobar. You know, you, you just I, I don't think you have players with that kind of temperament this year. Um, however, Alan Franco, two of the last three matches I've seen him, he's been thrown out of. So there is that. I'm wondering, by the way, what you do. I don't think he was thrown out on Sunday. Well, then why did he leave the pitch after being shown a card? Oh, in the second. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He, he was. I don't know what that was. Yeah. Welcome to. I, I don't know what it was with Joseph. Game. I mean, it. Well, I think Joseph a, said something, and, and that was probably. You got to say anyway. something pretty awful to get red carded in a preseason friendly, but. Who knows? Eh, I, it I know it was, a, it was a frustrating day. Yeah, it doesn't really. The, the, the refereeing in those games was a little a little lower standard. Iffy. It was iffy. A little, little, little low standard, I would say. Okay, so for the first time, we could end the show talking about broadcast plans because Sunday, as Jason said, we're going to be on the radio. 3 o'clock for the pregame show. 3.30 will be the kickoff time from Birmingham. We will do a full-time report after the match. That'll be on 92.9 the game. The uh, There will be a stream, atlutd.com slash live. So they're going to take our radio call and put it on top of the Birmingham television broadcast. And that'll be on atlutd.com slash live, but it will be geo-blocked. The radio broadcast will not be geo-blocked on Odyssey. So keep that in mind. Uh, and then, of course, a week from Sunday, we'll have the SKC match again, 92-9 the game. Uh, with uh, is that a four o'clock match? I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Uh, pregame 30 minutes three. before kickoff, maybe it's a three. Uh, we'll talk more about that next week. Next Wednesday, 2 p.m. on stoppage time, we'll wrap up the preseason. We'll give you our final thoughts on what we saw in Birmingham. We'll look ahead to the roster compliance deadline, which will be Friday, and decisions will have to be made for Atlanta United by Friday. We think we think they're over numbers right now. Uh, and then it'll be uh, all eyes forward to Sporting Kansas City in the season opener next Sunday. So we're here. We have made it. And I can't wait to see what the turnout is in Birmingham. It's going to be a beautiful day on Sunday. It's supposed to be warm and sunny. And uh, I have a feeling at the new protective stadium in downtown Birmingham, we're going to have a huge crowd for that match. So really looking forward to that. We want to thank you for joining us today on Stoppage Time. And we will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.